Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, I ask you to please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and our YouTube channel, where you can access all our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in the faith journey. Enjoy. We're starting a series, a Christmas series, hopefully get all you guys in the vibe, the nostalgic feel of the holidays. Um, Christos with us. Are you thankful that God is with us? He has not left us forsaken. He's not left us as orphans. He's came, he set his one and only son to die on a cross for us. That if we receive that, we have the free gift of salvation. And when we receive that, we have the gift that he sent, the advocate, the counselor, the comforter, the Holy Spirit that comes and lives with us. That he will be Emmanuel, God with us. With us. And now we know as we've been talking over the last few weeks that there is a depth of intimacy that God desires with each one of us in relationship to him. There are many of us that claim that we have the Holy Spirit, including myself. But many times, us claiming we have the Holy Spirit and seeing the manifestation and the working of the Spirit in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control that the Holy Spirit offers Many of us, myself included, especially during Christmas, not too evident. (laughs) Is it evident for you? But the Lord, as pastor's been talking, taking us from the tabernacle and beyond the outer court into the inner place, this desire that God wants to take us to a depth of intimacy that we have yet to reach individually. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That there is more, somebody say more, in my relationship with the Lord that I have to explore. I didn't mean to have all that, but that worked. God wants us to explore our relationship with him and Christ is here. Just as a quick recap before we get into this new series, because I told Pastor, we can't just move on. We got to stay in these conversations together about the tabernacle of going into the holy place that God offers to us. Jesus is our forerunner. He showed us the way and our response is to follow his way, to go in after. If he made a way for us through the curtain, it was torn. There's a reason he made a way and let's follow him. So let's quickly recap through Hebrews with Hebrews 10, 19. If you have your Bible, I would love for you to open your Bible and I'll take a second for you to get there. Hebrews 10, 19. It says this, and here's where we'll begin. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness, keep turning, I'm sorry, I'll slow down. Always there, but Ollie, you're fast though, so I can't go off you, right? If I. (laughs) Good student, Ollie. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, thank you, Lord. He has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, church, since he who promised is faithful. Say faithful. Faithful. Have you saw that to be true? I, I hope so. I hope so. And let us consider 
one another, this is what we're doing today, in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. That's what we've been talking about. That we all, there is no dividing wall of hostility between you and God. Yeah, you don't deserve it. He made a way for you. And now you can walk in behind him as a son and daughter of the king. Christ with you. Christ with you. Today I want to start our series off together. Talking in regards to the garment that Christ puts on your life. Christ with you. God has given you a garment to wear, son. God has given you a beautiful garment that declares the glory of God, not from what you've done, but it's all by his grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord. And what I believe, I I can't get this out of my head, so I had to share it, (laughs) had to get it out, is that every single one of us have a garment on our lives, Christ in us, Christ on us, an anointing on our lives that we're called to steward and we're called to cherish and use for God's kingdom and his glory. We are Christ on the earth, amen? We are Jesus, we are his body on the earth. Christ in us is the hope of glory. And I want, after we leave today, you to know that I have this garment on and I'm not taking it off. I have this anointing on me and I'm not going to let any lie of the enemy. I'm not going to let any scheme of man, any scheme of hell come against the garment that's placed on my life. Somebody say amen. No weapon formed against. This is a beautiful garment. This is a beautiful garment that God wants you to wear. Are you wearing the garment today? You guys look beautiful. (laughs) I was just telling somebody the other day that I got a closet full right now that I'm like, I don't like anything in this closet. Anybody else? (laughs) Like, how did this happen? Anyone experienced that? Come on, somebody, one person. Yeah, you like look in your closet and you're like, it's Sunday, so I can't wear like, yeah, like bum stuff, bum stuff, like gym stuff. So like I got to find something. I'm like, geez, I do not like any garments in, the, in this closet. There was um, one time before we start, do you care about a story? Y'all mind a little story? Uh, we were young and dumb. My family's not here, so it's, it's a little less wild up here. Tyler and Christine and... Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, so we were younger. Tyler was about 16 and I was 13, I guess, then Brooke was 12 and Trey was just a little young. Do you, rem- do you know what this story, you have no idea. My dad was building a house and we were living at Seton Drive Apartments and um, we were being very ungrateful kids. Anyone have any ungrateful kids? <laughs> if they're sitting beside you, don't raise their hand. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, this is something you can do with ungrateful kids, okay? We were being really not thankful, and uh, Dad got upset with us. And he said, for a whole day, anything that we paid for, anything that we bought, you can't use, you can't wear, for a whole day, you're, you're out. All three of us. Wait, were you included? Okay, because I remember... Brooke said she shouldn't have been. Yeah, she was the one that needed it the most. Brooke, you might... Ryan, do the same thing. No. Um, Yeah, and we spent a whole day, and I was like, Dad, I don't have any clothes. I didn't pay for anything. Like, if Grandma bought me something for my birthday, can I wear that? He was like, yes. If someone else bought it for you, you can wear it. So that's what we were in. We were in clothes that other people bought us, and we walked from the seat and drive apartments uh, to my pap's house at Parkside Boulevard. We walked over the mountain. I don't know why we didn't just walk on the road, but we walked over the mountain down into LaVale, and we found our, <laughs> found our way. And Pap and Grandma were like, what? Dad kicked us out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that 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 actually happened. That actually happened. Now listen to me, listen to me. I don't 
I don't think we do this a lot in Christianity. I don't think necessarily it's because we're ungrateful. But for a day, we forfeited what we had been given. We forfeited it. We were given garments. We were given clothing. We were given a shelter. We were given a house. And a whole day, because of our ungratefulness, we forfeited what was a free gift. It had always been a free gift. That, of course, cost our parents something. And it's the same way with God. There's a garment, there's a gift that God's placed on your life, and it costs your daddy something. And so many times, sons and daughters, so many times, we forfeit what has freely been given to us. There is a garment for you to wear, son and daughter, beloved. A gift from your father, inherited from your amazing brother. A garment that is full of blessing, full of life, full of the fruit of the Spirit. A garment that makes a difference. A heavenly robe that reflects the glory and mercy of God. It is a gift for you. It is the anointing of God, not just for a pastor or a stage performer or a platform artist. This is the anointing of God for every single person. Emmanuel, God with us. It's Christ on you. It's the activation of heaven and the release of angels around us is is the garment of God and it's our essential attire. That's your essential attire as a believer. But many, if not all of us, at least at times, and if not you, I'll just speak for myself, defer our garment for an outer court goodwill find. (laughs) Because I don't deserve to wear that. I, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not smart enough. I, I, I don't have what it takes. My life is not as organized. I don't have things put together. This, I, I don't deserve this. I can't wear that. And God says, I bought it for you. I paid for it. And you have to wear it. You have to wear it. So here's what we do oftentimes. We come out of the inner court, the most holy place in intimacy with God. Maybe we leave LOH and we feel good about ourselves. We know that we have the garment on, right? We know that the presence of God is in our lives and moving and we set out on course as a pioneer, journeying in the things of God. But what happens oftentimes? The word that was just planted, the enemy tries to steal, doesn't he? So many times. And so what I want to talk to you about today is the misconceptions about the garment. The garment causes trouble. When you as a believer know your identity in Christ and what you're wearing for the sake of our conversation today, what you are wearing, the garment on your life, here's what I want you to know, is that the garment messes with the enemy. And so here's here's the thing, when you realize you have it on your life, it's not something to be afraid about, but what I want, I want you to not be unaware That when you leave this place, know that in the spiritual realm, for our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. So when you leave today, the enemy does not want you to know that you have the garment on your life. He wants to take it. He wants to steal it. He wants to distract and distort and pervert and, and make you feel like you don't have it anymore. That's what he does. That's what he loves to do. So, the garment causes trouble. Let's pray. 
Lord, I thank you for all my brothers and sisters in this place. I thank you for the word that you have declared to me that I have to share, that it's been a fight about, Lord God, and I, and I just, you know it, you know it, and I wanna release your people today with a word that encourages them in the midst of the fight and the battle to know that they are not in the wrong place and they're not the problem, but the enemy cannot stand when they walk in the favor of God. The enemy can't take it. He'll do whatever he can to come against it and to deny the identity that God's placed on every single believer here, every single one. There's not one that's not exempt from this. God, I pray that we would stand firm in the identity that you're placing on us right now, even now. And all the weights, all the hindrances, may it fall off. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Have you lived long enough to experience the fight? Believer, yes? Say yes. Yes. If not, say no. (laughs) Yes. We've lived long enough to experience the fight, whether you know it or not, whether you realize it or not. Fighting behind enemy lines is a challenge when you got a different emblem on your uniform. And out in the world in the crooked and perverse generation, it's difficult to keep our garment on and believe what God says about us. And many times it's easy for us to say it about other people, but it's hard oftentimes to say it about ourselves. It's hard sometimes to say, it's easy for me to get up here and say, you are chosen, you are loved, you are blessed. But when I start talking about myself, I start, you don't want to get prideful. You don't want to think of yourself too highly. But listen, if it's on you, it's on you. The garment causes trouble. Jesus is awesome. And his angels are powerful. And all you believers, do you know that God is for you? God is for you. God is with you. So when I was praying to the Lord one time, uh, I told Pastor Tim this in our, our one-on-one that we have weekly. I, I said, I was talking to the Lord, and I was like, why is God, why is there always problems? <laughs> you ever experienced that? Why is there always tensions? Why is there always an issue? There's always temptation. There's always a testing. It seems like, doesn't it? You're like, you get over one problem and you're like, if I solve this problem, everything's going to be taken care of. Does that ever happen? There's always another problem. And, and when I was talking to the Lord, you guys might think that's weird. Hopefully not. Talking to the Lord. It's like, am I the problem? Am I the problem? In a way... I felt like he affirmed me that I wasn't, but he also confirmed that I was. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to share to his people that you are, if you walk in everything that I've been telling you, or, or as pastor's been talking to you about going into the holy place, if, if you walk in that, you are a problem for the enemy. I didn't get enough amens. Do you understand what I'm saying? I I mean, because sometimes we say, you know, I have the favor. I've received the blood of Jesus. All my sins are forgiven. But listen, do you know how that makes the enemy feel when you walk in that? It terrifies him. It messes him up. It destroys the works of the enemy. For that's what the Son of Man came to do. What we don't realize oftentimes, we think of it as flesh and blood. The reality is, if you would believe this, son, you are a problem for the enemy. And so expect him, when you leave today, to bring up problems. Don't be unaware of his scheme. Come on, let's skip to that. What, let's see, uh, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 9. Let's go to that. That's a few slides from now. 2 Corinthians 2, 9 through 11. 
I just threw out three pages, guys, so you're good. You're like, man, that's awesome. That's like 30 minutes less. Okay. Listen to this. Second Corinthians 2, 9 through 11. Another reason I wrote to you this is Paul, and this is like kind of why I'm sharing this to you today in this Christmas season, this time. I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Now, listen to this. He's talking about a specific example but this is, there's so much more than just forgiveness. But he says, in order that, this is the reason why he obeyed the Lord in forgiving people, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his, his what? What's that word? And we're not unaware. We're not unaware of his schemes, right? Hey, problem child, are you aware of the enemy's schemes? Okay, so, and I couldn't help because I used to play sports. I would say I'm an athlete, but I don't play sports anymore. So, like, does that go? I don't know. Uh, I, I love the idea of people being a problem for the other team. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, this dude is a problem, right? Where's the lax bros at? Any lax bros? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This dude's a problem. So what do we got to do? We got to scheme against the problem, right? In, in football, I played defense and safety. If there was a quote-unquote problem wide receiver, we would bracket them. We would double team them. What we would try to do is take them out of the game. Listen to me. I hope your spiritual ears are open. What the defensive coordinator, the scheme and the strategy, what he would try to do is scheme against the problem for our team and do whatever it takes. I hated this because I was on defense on one side of the ball. So they would scheme against the best player on the team. But you can't scheme against Alabama. They got all the best <laughs> Roll Tide, roll Tide, roll Tide. Okay. Um, I, I did that for Pastor. He paid me to do that. Okay. That goes out into the airways. And there we go. Roll Tide. Yeah. <laughs> you can't scheme against the whole team. What are you going to do? You go a QB spy on Milrow and they just throw it easily because they got people out of coverage. Guys, the enemy is trying to scheme against you day in and day out. But the Bible says that we don't have to be unaware of his schemes. Say amen. We don't have to be unaware of the strategy that's coming against. And yes, you can stand with that garment on and believe that, hey, he's coming against my marriage. He's coming against my family. He's coming even against our church. And we are called not to be unaware of his schemes because you are a problem for the enemy. There's so many in the world sitting in the corner when you are a problem for the enemy. There's kids that were raised in the church that are out in the world and they're doing music and they're having fun and they're playing sports and all that's great. But what they don't realize is if they committed themselves to the Lord, they would be a problem for the enemy. And that's why they're out. Because they weren't aware of his schemes. It wasn't against flesh and blood. That's what they thought. They thought that it was about the people. And they thought it was about the orchestrating of people and the people coming against them. No, it was hell coming against your life. It was hell coming for your marriage. It was hell coming for your family. In church, son, daughter, I'm yelling like this because I don't want you to be unaware of the scheme of hell that's coming to take you down and take you out. Thanks be to God he has no power for those who have the garment on, but you can't take it off. You got to know what you got. You got to know your identity, son. You got to know your identity, daughter. You got to know what's on your life. I say this time and time again, but if the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords is your daddy, is your papa, is your father, what are the implications of that for you, son and daughter of the king? What are you wearing? What do you look like? Your royalty. 
And the enemy has no power against you. And if you know that, he can't stand it. He hates it, guys. Jesus made a way for you to come into intimacy with God and the enemy can't stand it. He'll even, he'll even get your mind off religion. He'll get your mind on religion and tradition and, and worldly things. Every, whatever it takes, whatever bait you'll bite on, whatever it takes to get you off of the one thing, minister to the Lord. Walk with him. Talk with him in the cool of the day, in the garden with the Lord. You have an anointing on your life. You are a problem for the enemy. Come on. That, in a way, that might sound weird, but that should make you feel good. That should make you feel a little bit excited. A little bit like, ha, ha. You don't have anything on me. He can roar, as the Bible says, all he wants, but he can't touch you. He is a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour, whoever gives him an opportunity. You, not just me, you, you have it. Lord, every person here, every person, every person, I pray that not one would defer the garment to someone else. For there's only one them that you have called, knit together, set apart before you were even in your mother's womb, that God knew you and ordained you and appointed you. Jesus says that I have appointed you and set you aside for a specific purpose. You didn't choose me. I chose you and called you and appointed you. I set you apart. Remain in me and I in you. Abide in me. Listen to me. Come on, don't let the enemy snatch that seed. Jesus, I pray. Amen, amen. So why are you a problem? Why are you a problem? Well, of course, Christ and his angels are a problem, right? Jesus and his angels, his supporting cast. Come on, we believe in the demonic. We believe in the satanic. Can we not believe in God and the Holy Spirit and his angels working on our account? Turn to Isaiah 10, 27. And let's just make the enemy a little bit more mad, okay? (laughs) Come on, that's all right. Isaiah 10, 27. The Christ on you is the anointing you carry. And it's not a pleasing aroma to the enemy. This Christmas season, you're in a battle, a battle for your attention, your time, and your focus. The battle is real, and it's real because you are a problem for the enemy. Your gifts, your personality, who you are, your joy, the fruit of the Spirit coming out and through your life that's different than how it manifests in my life. Yours is different, and it's a problem for the enemy, you being free in who God's made you to be. Isaiah ten twenty seven says this, so it will be in that day, as pastor always you know, talks from Isaiah and references, Isaiah prophesies of the new covenant and the things to come, but he says this, so it will be in that day that his burden will be removed from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke, think about this from an animal's perspective, the yoke that they carry will be broken because of the anointing, King James says, but of fatness. And some of you are like, wow, my anointing is probably really breaking. <laughs> I'm on track for the, for the fatness. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not looking around. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm on track this holiday season for the anointing, the fatness. <laughs> Bring it on, Lord. Okay. <laughs> 
fatness meaning, I put it in the U version, but is the is reference to the richness of God's goodness. It's that word shemen there. I think that's how it's pronounced, but shemen is the fatness, the richness of God's goodness. It means increase. It's reference to oil and anointing, the fatness of the anointing. So much increase that the yokes can't hold you. Oh my gosh. They begin to just fall off because of the the fatness. (laughs) Oh, you can't button your pants anymore. It just begins to fall off. The anointing breaks the yoke. You think the enemy likes that? The yoke of the world, the bondage of the enemy. You think the enemy likes that? That you got that on your life? The power to break the yoke? To break what's holding people? The things that people never thought they were going to get through? The anxiety, the fear, the depression, the temptation, the lock? that the enemy has had, that the anointing, the presence of God, the fatness of the anointing breaks the yoke. And that's on you. Wow. This word is used again, and it's in Psalms 133. (laughs) That gives me anxiety just looking at all those pages. I need to put an iPad or something up here. Okay, here it is. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Have you heard this before? It is like precious, there it is, same word. Oil, shaman, anointing, fatness. It is like poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, the high priest, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing. There the Lord commands his blessing, even life forevermore. And I'll say it again. Do you think the enemy wants you walking in this? Yes or no? Does the enemy want you to walk in this? No. No. Don't be unaware of his schemes. That's the whole goal of the adversary. That's the whole goal of the defensive coordinator against the offensive man. The scheme and the strategy is to make it impossible for you to be effective. Try to come and hinder, change, manipulate. But what you got to know is when you have on what Jesus has given you, it makes him impossible to be effective. The Jesus on you, the angels surrounding you, the hope you have, the life you've been given. Son and daughter, I'm not over-exaggerating when I say you are damaged to the enemy and his schemes. So let's talk about identity. Identity is so important. I want to use a scriptural example to reference identity and what came after And let's go to Matthew chapter three and where Jesus' identity was established in front of the people. It's in Matthew chapter three into four. Y'all with me? Say I'm with you. All right, thanks for lying. I appreciate it. (laughs) Matthew chapter three. Just kidding. I don't condone lying in the house of the Lord or outside of the house of the Lord. Matthew chapter three. Um, this is the first I know of that kind of God speaks over Jesus and establishes who he is. It's the first time I see it. If you see another time, let me know. But this is before his public ministry at approximately, I guess, 30 years old. What do you think? About 30 years old, I think. So this is when he gets established before others of who he is. And he goes to John the Baptist 
And John says, I don't want to baptize you. I don't deserve to baptize you. And Jesus says, it's to fulfill all righteousness that you baptize me. So John baptizes him in the water and he comes up and what happens? See the Holy Spirit, right? And what does God say? This is, he established his identity right there. Up and out, what? This is my beloved son in whom, in whom I'm well pleased. And I'm well pleased. And what I, what I love about when Jesus places the favor of God and the garment on his life, that everything is easy right after. <laughs> that he, Jesus is just smooth sailing. Is that what Matthew chapter four tells us? What happens after Jesus gets his identity established? An attack. No? What, what do we do when we get our identity established and then we leave and attack comes? That must have not been God. That must have, I mean, no way. God, it's hard for me to believe anyways. I'm, I'm 30 years old. I haven't heard anything like this. Yeah, you know what? I'll just talk myself out of it and allow the enemy just to steal what God said over my life. So what happens is then Jesus in Matthew chapter four, verse one, then Jesus, right after he, his identity was established, he goes into testing and trial and tribulation. Right after. Sometimes it's not right after, but have you been there where you're like, I'm gonna stand on the word of God and then here we go into the wilderness. God, where are you? And the enemy's like, I'm here, hi. Satan was there in the wilderness. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Uh, by the Spirit just gets me every time too. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he, nights, he was hungry. Surprising. Then the tempter approached him and said, if you are, come on. What's he attacking? His his ID. If you are, are you what God says you are? Have you ever heard that voice? If you are, God just told you. He just established it to you. No, but God, I need you to tell me every single day and every single moment and not let one time slip. I just told you, I just established it. I just placed the garment on your life and you're gonna take it off and wonder whether I gave it to you or not. You're gonna waver between two opinions, man. If you keep wavering, what does James say? You should expect nothing to happen. You should expect to receive nothing from the Lord. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread, even though Jesus is the bread of life and he is the son of God. He answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone. Jesus doesn't argue. Come on, Jesus doesn't get into word fights. He just combats it. Just combat it. He doesn't start pondering and thinking about the words the enemy plays. He knows the spirit that's coming. If you are right then and there, guys, you should know, this is not the voice of my king. This is not the voice of Jesus. If you are, so get ready to combat it. Man must not live on bread alone, but in every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the high holy city had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, which Jesus is the temple, and said to him, if you are, there it is again, the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, Psalm 91, very true. He will give his angels orders concerning you and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus does not argue or entertain. So Jesus tells him, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. Again, three times, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him what we need to do. 
We need to tell him this. Go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him. And what's that word? Angels. Angels came and began to serve him. Now I have a lot about this, but what I just the main point I want you to know is that the enemy does, as I've said before, he wants to come and challenge the very word over your life, the identity. He the enemy doesn't beat around the bush. He goes right to your heartstrings, right to your faith, right to your hope and desire. He attacks, attacks the closest things he can to you. Wherever the opportunity Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the temple. Jesus is the guardian and the protector. But again, he doesn't argue, but states word in response. And then he makes this profound statement when he's asked about, I will give you the kingdom of the earth because we know that Psalms 24 verse one says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he says, get away, Satan, go away from me. Is Jesus a problem for the enemy? His same spirit is on you, in you. The beloved child is on you. The favor, the image, Imago Dei, the image. Come on. He sees you. The, the enemy sees Jesus in you. Psalm 91, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. 1 John 3, 8 says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Nice word choice, right? Destroy the devil's work. All right, where do we go from here? Let's see. Bow your head with me. Because I, I, I think there's moments throughout messages at times where you need to do a Selah as in the Psalms, a stop and ponder. And we have a few moments here right now before music starts or anything to ponder what the Lord is saying to you. Has there, been, has there been any place that I've deferred, that I've forfeited? Has there been moments? God, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this this way where I hear a word from you and I get encouraged and I get lifted and then I allow the cares and the worries of this life to choke the seed. God, go deep in my life. Take root right here, right now. Take root in Jesus' name. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3, and we're almost done. Say we're almost done. <laughs> Tell your friend you're almost done. We're almost done. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 says this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Mm. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedience, obedient to Christ. We must allow, the goal is to allow the Lord, the usher, to usher in Yeshua and his angels to come help and serve. Listen to this in Hebrews, 4, Hebrews 1. Do we have it? Next slide. Are not, this is our help. This is our help and our comfort right here. Are not all angels ministering spirits. Yes, you're a problem. Yes, you're in the midst of the fight. Yes, you're in the middle of the battle. But listen who's come to serve, to be of your benefit. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation? Now that sounds nice. They've came to serve. But Jesus uses the same word that he also came to serve. It's the same exact word. And so let's... 
If that's what that means, God, let it be. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy, but the way he put it was, I came not to be served, there it is, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Let's have the band come. And let's stand, and I'll, and I'll finish up here. As we close, are you encouraged today? I hope you were. As I feel like, if we're honest, we know that, you know, walking in the favor and the will of God, we know that not everything is going to work out like so easily, right? But when we have battles and we have things that come against us, um, we can definitely get distracted and we can definitely start to wonder. Have you ever been there? Like, God, what you, what you said, is it actually going to come to be? Like, God, I know that you're supposed to be faithful, but what I see in front of me, God, I know the identity that you've placed on my life, and Dustin was just talking about the garment that's on my life, the, the anointing that, that causes trouble. Yeah, he said that, but God, I, help me to know today. God, I want to know today because all I see in front of me are things that are against me. Are you there? Anyone in this room? If there be only one person, it'd be worth it. Let me help you out here. In Scripture, when God promised to people, God gave them a word, God blessed them, God gave them a promise. I could be wrong, you can check me on this, but every single, I'll just say almost every single time, Adversity came soon after. Almost every single time, they had to work through a trial, a temptation. Almost every time, guys. Almost every time. Let me take you there. Obedience for Abraham meant giving up a son right? God promises father of many nations and then they have a son and God says, I want you to sacrifice your son. And Abraham had to get to a place where he was 100% completely okay with giving it up. Obedience for Abraham meant giving up a son. Obedience for Joseph meant going into prison, into slavery. The dreamer the kid with the coat of many colors given by his father. Come on, that couldn't be more perfect. Had to go through the pit, to the prison, to the slavery, to the exclusion, to people not caring about him, not remembering him before he got to the place that God had promised him early in his life. Obedience meant Red Sea for Moses. You'll be released, and now you got in front of you a sea that you can't get through. Obedience for David meant Goliath, a giant. Right? King, anointed one, this is who you're going to be. But here's the thing. You're standing in the face of a giant. And obedience for David meant he had to walk through that. Obedience meant fire for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Obedience meant lion's den for Daniel. Obedience meant being excluded from community for Mary because she wasn't married and she was pregnant and it just didn't work out. You think people were talking about her? That's what obedience meant for her. Obedience meant wilderness and demonic temptation, or should I say satanic attack for Jesus. Oh yeah, and the cross. That's what wearing the garment, that's what being obedient to the Father's blessing meant that he had to walk through. It wasn't the end, but that's what they had to walk through. 
And obedience, of course, meant prison for Paul and Silas. So what does obedience mean for you and for me? We are not unaware of his schemes, but take heart. Take heart. Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble, but take heart. Psalm 34 just said it. The the righteous man will have many adversities, but the Lord will deliver him from them all. Here's where I'll finish. It was on the other side. They saw deliverance on the other side. So many I see have a wall in front of them or a mountain or a sea and say, see, God didn't intend me to walk in deliverance and freedom. I wasn't meant for the promised land. No, God always brought them here to show his glory. So people you knew it wasn't you, it was him. It was him all along and it was for his kingdom and his glory. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And Isaiah 54 says this, come on. It's not just a Bible verse. It's the word of life. It's alive and active and sharper sharper than any double-edged sword. And it's truth that no weapon formed against you will succeed or prosper. Lord, let your anointing flow in this place. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn throw it away. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. So before we sing, before we sing, I don't want you to be unaware of the enemy's schemes. Where is he attacking you? It's often the things so close to your heart. It's often the things closest and dearest to you. Is it a dream? Is it a word? Is it a hope? Is it a sickness, a doubt, a fear? Why is he attacking you? Why is he scheming against your family? Because you, if you get this little one, beloved, if you get this, it means hell for him where he belongs. So tell him. Tell him, go back where you belong, devil. As for me and my house, tell him, go back where he belongs. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Lord, open our eyes to see the angel armies on our side. Open our eyes to see the anointing of Jesus on our life. I pray that we would go there with you. We would get established today in your word by your spirit. We would get our feet upon the rock, our feet fitted, Lord God, with peace, Lord Jesus, I pray on our lives, Lord, that we would stand until we receive the identity of the kingdom that God wants to place on our lives. Christ in us, Lord, we ask that your angels come and serve and minister. We ask that your Holy Spirit ministers like more than I ever could, like more than any person ever could. In the name of Jesus, have your way in this place. Amen. Have your way in this place, Jesus. Have your way. Amen.